Welcome to FCAT After School, a podcast project from SFU's Faculty of Communication, Art, and Technology. In each episode, we join student hosts in conversation with alumni as they explore career journeys since graduation and gather advice for the next generation. On this episode of After School, communication student Eric Militeru talks with SFU communication alum Kai Bachman about his time at SFU and the skills he gained while pursuing his degree. The duo also dig into some of Kai's globe-spanning personal and career-driven stories that brought crucial life lessons to his understanding of the world and helped him to become the current president and CEO of Blue Diamond Growers, the California-based organization with claim to be the world's largest tree nut processing and marketing company. Here is our episode host, Eric Militeru. Communications at SFU is great. There is a lot to learn and do with our degree that can help us when we start looking for options outside of school. But as I go through my degree, I notice there's a lot of emphasis on perspective and how the environment around us shapes the way we think. Now, I don't know about you, but to me, just doing readings and writing papers doesn't seem like it's giving me the full benefit to learn about all this stuff. I feel as though we don't totally gain all the skills necessary if we were to get out there and work in, you know, large team settings or do all kinds of things in the field. I mean, sure, you'll learn more on the way, but you'd want to feel a little bit more prepared. So at this point, there are a lot of questions that I'm asking myself. Should I be branching out? Have I gone through many adversities? Does the world around me exposed to new ways of thinking or beliefs? Am I doing enough? For our guest today, a lot of these questions were beginning to be answered when one day his parents decided to buy a VW camper van and drive around North America to get outside their bubble and learn more from different cultures. Soon, this road trip would turn into a worldwide hitchhiking journey that would be a cornerstone of how our guest built his future and became the person that he is today. Through trying many different fields and taking on multiple international roles with major companies, our guest used his experience at SFE Communications and the adversities he faced along the way to get where he is right now. But before we embark on this global journey, we need to know who this person is. Okay, my name's Kai Bachman, and I'm a Simon Fraser grad. I graduated back in way, way back in the 90s, 91 in business, and then 93 communications, and then because uh, I loved school so much, ended up getting an MBA in 95. When I was doing my MBA program, I actually um, was in the business school and there was a bulletin board there and uh, they had a, a poster for students to encourage them to apply to a program that would send them to Canadian embassies across Latin America. And it was like the last day to apply. And I said, you know what, uh, probably not going to get it, but hey, what the hell? Let's just put my name in the hat and see what happens. So, uh, you know, as luck would have it, I ended up getting in touch with the folks in Ottawa, the uh, Canadian Foundation for the Americas. They signed me up for an opportunity to do an internship at the Canadian Embassy in the trade section in in, uh, in Bogota, Colombia. Wonderful experience. Went down there, spent a year. 
they ended up asking me to come back in a full-time capacity. And so I did that for a while. And then uh, McCain came knocking, McCain Foods, uh, a large company out of uh, New Brunswick. And they asked the ambassador, hey, uh, do you know any uh, talented young individuals that might want to join a company like McCain? And they said, well, uh, there's this young kid, uh, Kai Bachman, who works in the trade section. And I jumped at the chance to join McCain Foods. And from there, I spent 15 years at McCain in a variety of roles, which took me to um, places uh, like China, where we lived with our family for uh, three and a half years in Shanghai, and then two and a half years in Singapore, lived in Florenceville, New Brunswick, Chicago. So took me to a lot of different places around the world and in, in, in wonderful roles, you know, what, which included uh, heading up the international part of the business. And then from there, I, um, I jumped to Saputo, which is uh, one of the largest dairy companies. Again, Canadian-based, Montreal-based, and took on the role of uh, president for their international business. And then uh, after five years, took on the uh, global role for running the, day, the day-to-day operations. So I've been very fortunate. I've had a lot of great roles throughout my career. You know, it was... Uh, 200 miles an hour for 25 years and then decided to retire back in uh, April of 2022. But uh, after a few short months, my wife said, you're driving me absolutely crazy. And I was going bored. I was getting very bored. So I'm actually jumping back on uh, back into things and starting a role as the CEO for Blue Diamond, which you might know of as you know the Almond Breeze brand, which is uh, big in the almond milk. They do a lot of snacking and a lot of ingredients and that sort of thing. So excited about jumping on to the next chapter of my uh, my career, which will take me back to the West Coast, to California. Wow, that is that is quite the resume. But going back to your time at SFU, from what I understand, you've been through a couple different fields and faculties. What kind of pushed you to switch it up and say, you know what, let's try this or let's move on to this? Yeah, like when I, when I first went to SFU, my dad's a teacher. And I thought I would wanted to do the same thing. And so uh, I wanted to be an elementary school teacher. And uh, I started taking courses. And one course was like arithmetic or math for elementary school teachers. And I sat in a class and I love teachers. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, for me, it's about cultural fit when it comes to like joining a company or, you know, that sort of thing. And I just felt that the culture within that environment was didn't really resonate with me. And so I said, you know what? This isn't for me, and I'm just going to try a whole bunch of different things. So I think, you know, in those first couple of years, I did a liberal arts certificate, which exposed me to a lot of different courses, philosophy, languages, history, you know, all kinds of stuff. And then I decided to get into business. So I went into the business school, uh, did marketing and finance. And then from there, I uh, went into communications, totally different field, uh, an arts degree. And then uh, from there sort of found my way because the more courses you take, the more you better understand yourself what you enjoy. And uh, so I would encourage people to just take as many courses as you can. And, uh, you know, a lot of courses are offered for free. There's a lot of online stuff that you can, you know, get exposure to different topics and and that sort of thing. But I always gravitated towards that international, anything that had an international component International business was a, was a right fit for me, and that's why I did my MBA in international business, and that ultimately led me to you know my career, which focused on international business activities. So I tried to find through my education the type of uh, subject matter that was interesting to me, 
Unfortunately, I found something that I that I enjoyed and loved and I was passionate about and was very lucky to embark on a career that touched on those same same areas. So you said when you were going back after your business degree, you said you tried out communications. What kind of interested you into going into communications then? Like when I did the marketing degree, I felt that, you know, that media component was an important element that would help me in marketing. And that's what drew me to communications. And then there was a course that, you know, like intercultural communications, which, uh, which I found really interesting. I learned a lot there and it helped me actually in my career, like in terms of dealing with people uh, in different cultures, like, you know, why people think and uh, communicate in the way they do. It's, you know, kind of the background, the cultural, the historical background uh, I found fascinating. You know, and then there were a bunch of courses like, you know, this was back in the 90s. So I can't remember the name names of the profs, but just as an example, there was one course, I do remember the prof, his name was Stephen Klein, and he was focused on media. And, you know, we decided to do, uh, you know, a course with, uh, it was media and celebrity, something along those lines. Like, And so a friend of mine, and, you know, we decided to connect with Nike in Canada, and they had a little office in, I think it was in Port Coquitlam. So we drove down there. And then we met with the folks there and um, they put us in touch with an SFU grad from marketing who ran uh, the marketing for the basketball division for Nike. And so that that very night, we actually just got in the car with some video gear and drove down to Portland, Oregon, to Beaverton. And we went to the Nike campus and then we did the interview, had an opportunity to tour the campus and just learn about how they go about their marketing and how they use celebrity endorsements as part of their strategy and all that. Really fascinating stuff. And those are the kinds of courses where you're actually doing real things, like rather than just reading about stuff in books and actually going out there and working on projects and developing like a video piece, a documentary. Really love that project. That was probably the highlight in my comms, you know, degree days. And then just working with groups, people with different backgrounds. That's like one of the biggest learnings uh, in going through all of the, uh, the the coursework is, you know, later in life, you're always going to be working with teams. And so you have the the opportunity to to kind of like work with people of different backgrounds and make sure that you capture everybody's perspectives. You learn a lot of critical skills in, in, in those type of programs and those type of courses and got a lot out of those uh, during my, my younger days. So we should be looking for courses that can get you in the field and help you gain these critical skills at SFU. But another thing that was very influential in Kai's journey and what I thought to be really interesting was when he hitchhiked around the world for over six years at a young age. Yeah, in a nutshell, like uh, I could go on and on because it's, uh, you know, those those were quite some uh, memorable adventures. But my parents, you know, they're from the, the hippie generation. Uh, different kind of thinking. And I was in Montreal uh, hitting the books at an early age and they felt that I was only being exposed to Canadian things, Canadian culture, Canadian history, uh, those sorts of things. Montreal's cosmopolitan, but if you're in a classroom, you're really exposed to kind of a, you know, kind of a narrow view of things. And so they said, you know what, we're uh, we're going to we're going to pack up and uh, travel and we're going to hit the road. So see the world out there. And so with uh, the few uh, dollars that they had at the time, they bought this uh, butt ugly orange VW camper as a family together with a, a puppy. Uh, we hit the road and traveled around North America, went through Mexico, Central America, and then the Pan American Highway ends in Panama. So you have to kind of take a ferry, find different forms of transport. 
But my dad said, you know what? We're not really connecting with the people, really. We're kind of like tourists wandering around in this butt-ugly orange VW camper. So, you know what? We're ditching the van, and from now on, we're going to hitchhike. And for the next six and a half years, we just hitchhiked through, you know, 100-plus countries. And we weren't staying at fancy places. This isn't like staying at the West End Sheraton, you know, those type of hotels and flying first class. This was like hitchhiking, roughing it, not knowing where you were going to sleep that night not knowing where your next meal was, was going to come from. Uh, so this was really roughing it. And I would say that through those journeys, uh, having witnessed uh, wars, poverty, crime, you know, drugs, you know, all those things, uh, living through that adversity, living through that constant change, it really has made me the individual that I am today. And, you know, I spent a lot of time at SFU and, you know, those degrees were very helpful, but, you know, the biggest education I got and and I and I'm forever thankful to my parents is that global world tour and, and, and hitchhiking and you know having the opportunity to to meet people from different backgrounds, different cultures, learning about their cultures. I always found very fascinating and that's that's what I that's why I do what I do today. Um, you know, like heading up global businesses. It gives me the opportunity to work across cultures, travel, uh, interact with you know, whether it's growers, people on the agricultural side and the manufacturing environments, customers, employees, I find that part of, um, of business fascinating and uh, really love it. Wow. Like not, not everybody goes through that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, I've been very fortunate. And, you know, I know that kids and the world's different. It's a, it's a lot harder to travel these days. And, but I would encourage, you know, young people to, to really get out there because, if you limit yourself to what's in your backyard, and listen, I love Vancouver. Vancouver is always going to be home for me. But you're really constrained if you just kind of live and work in your backyard. So I would encourage young people to go out there, travel, and look for opportunities to work abroad. Because it really, it's life-changing. And it's not forever. And when you're younger and you don't have a family, it's a lot easier to kind of move around. And it really changes you as an individual. It really helps you grow as an individual. And it's, it's going to just help your development and, and help you in life. And uh, you'll meet a lot of fascinating people. You make great friendships. You might find love as well. You know, take the plunge. Uh, have the courage to take the time and, and go on those adventures. Yeah. No, I, I had a friend recently who, like, a few months ago, he was saying, I just want to go on a one-way ticket to Spain. And then go just travel as much as I can for six months and then come back. No plan or anything like that. And so he's doing he's doing that. I think he's leaving this Monday or something like that. So, yeah. And he's going to be supercharged. And when he comes back, he's going to be a different person. Yeah. You know, we were talking about it uh, the other day, uh, Eric, where when we look to hire employees, when I look to hire employees, you know, young kids out of college, I really don't give a rat's rump about, you know, their grades and where they went to school. It's about those life experiences, about that curiosity, uh, that that willingness to learn and try new things. That's really what stands out. So I know kids are really focused on, okay, I got to get the I got to get the A's and B's and I got to go to the top school. But, you know, most organizations, you know, that's obviously a consideration, but in many instances it's not the the driving force behind a hiring decision. So you know, this friend of yours, you're talking about going to Spain. I would like, that'd be a great conversation starter during the interview process. And he'd be like, okay, this kid's curious about the world, is courageous, wants to go, you know, learn and those sorts of things. Those things really resonate with employers. It's how the person's wired. Like, 
you know, how have they lived their life? Have they gone through adversity? Uh, we talked a lot about, you know, are they open to learning new things and experiencing new things? That curiosity, uh, it's that the makeup of the individual, I feel, is more important than what's on their resume in terms of where they went to school and the grades they've achieved. If a young person has gone through some adversity in their life, family, uh, work, school, you know, those things really resonate with me because it builds individuals, you know, in terms of that resiliency and, and being able to deal with change and uncertainty, uh, which is something you come across every day, every week when you're working, right? There's a lot of uncertainty and it's that ability to adapt and react. And uh, you see the true colors of, you know, your teammates under those, you know, extenuating circumstances. So I would say that for young people, it's just like how they've lived their life, uh, their outlook, um, their aspirations. You know, those are the things that are more important to me than where, you know, one goes to school and, and what grades you get. What Kai said struck a chord with me. I'm sure most have experienced the same, but I was influenced by the idea that grades were the most important thing. And as I went through high school, especially, grades were the main thing on everyone's mind. It was always a panic because of the competition. And asking your colleagues what you got on the latest test was just one of those many false ledges you can climb onto to feel better about yourself. The same adversity, if you can even call it that, happens now in my post-secondary education. But this drive to be curious and see the world feels right. We can only do so much with our degree. For Kai, it helped him as he worked on all these roles, but as you can probably guess, it wasn't just his time at SFU that helped him through it. It's one thing to read about stuff and another thing to actually go out there and see it with your own eyes, much like Kai did when he hitchhiked around the world. In other words, maybe we should give in to our curiosity every once in a while and go on an adventure, even if you have no idea what you're doing. Much like Kai's first venture in the Canadian Embassy in Colombia, it was like a, a leap of faith that paid off for him. Yeah, like my first gig and uh, my boss, uh, his name was Zen Buryanik, and he gave me a lot of rope. And I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I just came in there and he gave me a very broad mandate and said, help us develop the ag sector, help Canadian companies set up shop in Colombia. And I loved it. Like just the very, you know, a very wide open brief and just, you know, doing it, like just rolling up my sleeves and getting in there and just uh, reaching out to Canadian companies, you know, fumbling around, you know, like a little clumsy at the onstart. But again, the more chances you take, the more you reach out, the more experiences you seek, the better you get at things, right? You kind of refine your skills, you find your way. Everybody's different in terms of the way they approach things. But it's really just that entrepreneurial spirit, that willingness to roll up your sleeves, that bias for action. Uh, don't overanalyze things. It's not an analysis paralysis exercise. A lot of folks, you know, try to make, you know, they want to have their like project to their business case, perfect buttoned up. You know, if, you know, that's fine. But in many instances, the opportunity will have passed by the time you've dotted all the I's and crossed the T's. If you got, you know, like 80, 90 percent of what you feel is right, just run with it because, you know, that bias for action is absolutely critical, that speed. I know for a lot of students, it's really hard to sort of branch out because there's kind of like a barrier, like, oh, I don't want to bother this person, you know. But you said you just went and saw or talked to the the Nike, like the marketing manager for Nike there. Like, how did you how did you just build that courage to just say, hey, 
can we do this? Like, do you have any sort of tips and tricks for that? Well, you can just use Nike's model. Just do it. <laughs> it's really just, you have to have the, just take the courage and be vulnerable. Like don't be, don't be so pre-calculated in everything you do. Just have the courage to try things. Uh, and, you know, we talked about it, you know, embracing those learning experiences and you will learn when people say no. But in most times, you know, in most instances, people are happy to help and they love talking to young people. And you know what? In today's day and age, a lot of these folks are dying to recruit top talent and they see an opportunity in talking to young people to kind of plant the seeds for, you know, when they graduate, that they might be a place that they might want to consider, right? People like myself, I love talking to young people. And uh, you and I talked a little bit about this earlier. You know, I wish that people from the business world or people from the professions that come out of these schools would have an opportunity to come talk to students because a lot of times students need to hear the skills and, you know, what it's like out there and and build, you know, relationships, connections with people that will that could help them later on in life. So, um, you know, again, I would just encourage students to have the courage, take the courage to to take the leap and uh, go out there and try different things and try to make connections because that's what it's all about. Business and professional life is about relationships. It's about uh, communication. So, you know, just do it. It seems so simple, yet so daunting. And you, you hear it all the time, you know, just do it, man, just do it. But it's, it's easier said than done. But for Kai, the career stuff was actually easy. The adversities he faced along the way were not where you'd expect it. Like I would say that as you uh, take on roles of increased responsibility, uh, there are you know tremendous you know, pressures on your family life, especially in an international role where you have a lot of responsibility. Like if you're overseeing an operation, a business, whatever, you're on the road a lot, you're away from your family. So I would say that's the biggest impact when you take on these types of roles is the impact on family. And I have two daughters, uh, 115, 118, and it was really rough on the older one. And I thought, because I was raised in a certain way, like not knowing where I was going to sleep one night and where the next meal was going to come from. And the kids having lived in different places like China, Singapore, small village like Florenceville, New Brunswick, Chicago, like moving all over the place. I thought, okay, you know what? They're going to become resilient. They're going to become adaptable. But it wasn't as easy for the older one as it was for the younger one. And it was hard for the younger one as well. So, and then, you know, I'm so focused on my job. And then, you know, I feel that my wife's got it under control because she sacrificed her career to make sure that the kids, you know, were going to be okay. Uh, that she was going to be the rock at home. That uh, things were going to be all hunky-dory. But, you know, it was very challenging, very difficult. Went through some, you know, very difficult chapters. But fortunately now, things, you know, have come come out on the, on the right side of things. But it was tough. And I would say that uh, a lot of executives, a lot of people in demanding roles, especially ones that require travel. And I'm not talking about traveling from Vancouver to Calgary or Vancouver to Seattle. We're talking about people that have to be gone for two to three weeks straight, you know, traveling to the other side of the world. It's really taxing on, on the family. And a lot of families don't make it. Like a lot of couples end up getting divorced uh, because, you know, the partner at home feels like they're doing everything. And then the other partner comes home and they're like exhausted and they don't want to do, you know, and then so it becomes kind of like there's a lot of animosity and, and 
Um, that can lead to broken relationships. So that's it's it's a risk, a real risk, that a lot of people just kind of sweep under the rug and just say, oh, you know, you know, because they want to portray like everything's hunky dory. But there's a lot of that that goes on behind the scenes. So I would say that's the greatest adversity that I've had to face throughout my career. It's more on the family front than it was on the professional front. I think that this is a crucial piece that a lot of people overlook. Instead of just focusing on your professional life, you should also take the time to focus on your relationships with others. Make sure that they are healthy and reach out to those outside of your circle that could potentially help you further in your professional life. It's a balance, a a tightrope we need to walk in order to cross this chasm. But we're still in school. Most of us haven't been through much. For some, not many adversities have been faced. So if we go back to the questions I asked at the beginning... Have I gone through many adversities? Should I be branching out? Am I doing enough? The simple answer is maybe. But a way to make sure that we're doing enough is just get out there and see the world with our own eyes, whether that is through some courses or just on your own. And who knows? Maybe even buy your own Westphalia or VW Campervan and hit the road. It's a start of something probably life-changing. That was what Kai taught me, and I think it's what we should all do if we want to take the right steps, not only in our communications careers, but for our life in general. Really, that curiosity to learn, being open to new experiences, I think is, is critical. We talked about not looking only in your backyard because it's a small pond in Vancouver. Get out there. You know, there's tremendous opportunities out there and you're going to continue to learn. You're going to continue to grow as an individual and you're going to have uh, an, an amazing opportunity to to have a, a long and, and, and great career. School is important, you know, the, the classes you take. Uh, again, I would, you know, encourage students to not only check off the boxes and cover the courses that are required for the degree, but try and look at some different courses that, you know, will get you exposed to different topic areas. You never know, you might find a new passion. So I think uh, that's, you know, I wish I was given that advice, but I lived it, uh, you know, after stumbling around a little bit. You know, remember, it's not just the grades and the school you go to, but it's the experiences you have. It's your ability to interact with people. So, you know, go out there, develop relationships with people outside of your your cliques, your groups. And I think that travel is one way of kind of promoting those opportunities to develop relationships with others. So those would be some of the nuggets that I would leave with that next generation. So... With all that said and done, I have some thank yous to give out. First of all, a big thanks to Kai Bachman for doing this interview with me. It was very insightful and helpful as always. Thank you to the producers at the FCAT After School Podcast for giving me this opportunity. And thank you guys for listening. So, yeah, hope you guys have a great day. And that's about it. See ya. Interested in learning more about the FCAT community? Stay tuned for a brand new episode of FCAT After School hitting your feeds every other Wednesday this season. A big thanks to Kai Bachman for joining us here on the show. You'll find links to resources mentioned and more info on Kai, Eric, and the School of Communication in the show notes. 
Our host for this episode was Eric Militeru. Production by Eric and me, Stacey Copeland. FCAT After School respectfully acknowledges the Musqueam, Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, Katsi, Coquitlam, Kakite, Kwantlen, Semiamu, and Tawasan peoples on whose unceded traditional territories our three campuses reside, and where many of the stories shared in the series take place. Make sure to rate and subscribe to FCAT After School in your podcast app of choice so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. And you can follow us on social media at FCAT at SFU. That's F-C-A-T at S-F-U on Twitter and Instagram. See you next time.